listening to C3 Church Vancouver podcast. We know you'll be blessed by this message. You know what? When we talk on a theme or we talk on a top topic, sometimes it's actually harder to get a message about it because I really was praying into this this week and going, God, I don't. We're not a seminar church. This is not a TED talk. I, I'm not here to bring you some great family tips, you know? And I was really quite concerned that I get a word because that's what this church, when, if you're getting to know us as a church, if you're new to this church and you're just getting to know us, we're, we're not a, a, like a, a TED Talk type of church. We're a church that wants to hear from God. I don't know about you, but I definitely want to come to church and hear from God. Because he's, he's living, he's real, and he has stuff to give us every week. And so this week, I was really praying into this word. And um, first of all, I want to start off by saying that when we, when we talk about family, things can get a little uncomfortable for certain people, not the people with the perfect family. So that 0.1% that is in here today that has a perfect family, you're going to love this message, no problems. But for the rest of us... I don't know about you, but family is pretty personal. And I just want to set this message up by saying that no family has to look like a certain mom and dad and 2.5 children, okay? So we're not talking about that type of a family today. We're not talking about that, that image that the world was set up of perfection. We're talking about the, the, the place where you come from and where I come from, which is real. That when you close the doors, that place that the outside world doesn't see. It's the people in your world that see the real you, and you see the real them. So that's family. That's my definition of family. Do you understand? Are you with me? And I think in Vancouver, it's very interesting because we have, in this church, we we actually have quite a few families, but we also have a lot of people who have created transient family. So they're they're planted into a city, and their, their actual genetic biological family isn't near them. So then we create these people around us that draw close like family. And that's where the church comes in. And um, it's a beautiful thing that God has given us this opportunity to have two families as Christians. We get the opportunity for two families. And it's actually a gift. But um, I'm just going to stop right now and pray. So Father God... We just welcome you into this message and into this room right now. Father God, I just thank you that you are speaking to our church right now about who we are. And God, we just open up our hearts to hear from you this morning. Father, I just pray that you anoint this word. God, we're not here to just talk about a theory, but we're here to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I am continuing with the C3 Church Values Series. And this is awesome because this is kind of like where we get to, for new people, get to know who we are. And for us as people who've been around for a long time, it's a reminder of who we are, of our identity. And it actually reveals a little bit more about the understanding of what we're doing in this place. When you start with values, you actually find that your vision is pretty easy to discover. 
And so many people start with vision, but in this church, we come back and we find out who we are and what God has called us to be. And then the vision, it it flows directly out of that. So one of the reasons that we know that families is a hugely important part of C3 Church is that the vision for our church is that we would have a church of generations, men and women and children of all ages. And the best way to outreach to generations is to have family, is to, is to reach out to families. Because in that, you will find you have the youngest and you will have the oldest. And it's such an important thing that churches begin to diversify and look at generations, the young and the old, because God has a heart for every single man and woman. It's not just a a youth movement, and we're not a church just for the elderly. We're a church for generations, and that's what C3 Church Vancouver is. And we aim to be, and we declare it, and we're believing for it. And I can see it happening. There were times in our church, past in our history, we had a youth church called Primal. And there were moments in our church when we were mainly a demograph of generally one age with a few on the top and a few below. And at the time we had Primal Youth Church, we had a great influx of young people, teenagers, and early 20s. And at that point in our church, it was about 10 years ago, even longer now, maybe 12 years ago, um, we had a lot of teenagers get saved. And that's an amazing thing. But at the time, you could feel the need for adults in the church to teach these youngins how to go. And so a lot of us had to grow up really fast. Rosalie, Matt, Carrie, Tony, Megan, these people had to rise up and lead all of a sudden. And we had to, as just above teenage years in our early 20s, learn how to bring in the generations and raise them up. But what an incredible grace was upon that time. But we can see now, 10 years later, how God is beginning to develop generations in this house. And it is a beautiful thing. So today's message is called Family Matters. Because yes, I'm talking about the things that pertain to family. But also, my dad has this saying... And um, he said it over the years. He said it the other day, and I went, oh my gosh, your marriage is your seminary. Well, today I want to tell you, church, your family is your seminary. (laughs) And as you can see, my parents have a big job ahead of them. (laughs) They haven't graduated yet, no. (laughs) This is our family photo. (laughs) My poor parents, they have their work cut out for them. So what does it mean when I say your family is your seminary? It means that your walk with God starts at home. Today I want to talk to you about two types of families, our physical family units and our spiritual family. And let me just say this, this is not just a message for the married couples, we all have family units. So remember that. For those who, who are without the support, of God, um, support, God provides us with our church family. And for those who have amazing families outside of church, please know that this church, in this church, we strongly believe that God loves the family unit. This is not about bringing division and choosing the church family over your genetic family. We're actually about restoration. And we're also about believing for salvation for your family. Whew. God longs to see relationships restored, not separated. 
So you will never hear us speaking about being a replacement to your family. We're always going to be praying for your, standing with you and believing for your family, no matter where they are and who they are. The reason this message is so important is that our church, in our church, is that God's ultimate plan to save humankind is the local church, his family here on earth. So today I'm talking about the, the word, the, the name, the title, Family Matters, but I'd really like to rename it as Family Matters to God. The reason that we talk about family matters and the thing that really hit me when I was talking about this is that I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, God, how did you plan to save the earth? Yes, we know that our part is the local church, but how did it all start? And the way that it really started is God's plan to save humanity actually started with a family. Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. When we're born again, we go from having one earthly family to two families, your earthly family and your kingdom body. So all of a sudden, you're born into this new family. And you can put that other slide up. God, yeah. <laughs> She's coming with me. <laughs> so God plans to save humanity through a family. This is important to know because this is where we start. Now, Matt was spot on this morning, Galatians 4. You're with me, man. And I want to read this scripture to you. And this is out of the... Uh, I can't remember which translation. Oh, thanks. It's up there. New English. I made the slides. New, <laughs> New English translation. And it goes like this. But when the appropriate time had come, God sent out his son, born of woman, under the new law to redeem those who were under the law so that we may be adopted as sons and daughters, let's just say that, with full rights. And because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts who calls Abba Father, so you are no longer slaves, but children. And if you are a son or a daughter, then you are also an heir through God. Let's just ponder this for a second. You are an heir of the most high God. You're a child of your parents, but you're an heir of God. That reframes a lot of how we should act. When we really let that concept begin to sink in, I was really just meditating on that scripture this week. That's so amazing that you brought that up, Matt, because I'm just like, come on. He's with me this morning. God is speaking. You are an heir of the most high God. You know, we have to speak about values because it speaks about our identity. And I want to tell you today that your identity is defined by your father in heaven. You are an heir of the most high God. Our families are a great contributor to forming who we become. A great deal of our character is formed in the home. So much of what we choose in life is formed in response to the examples that surround us in our formative years. Can you imagine who you would be if you lived every single day with the revelation that you are a son or daughter of the Most High God? 
harshest reality for any parent to grapple is that their current actions will have an effect on the adults their children will become. Ouch. That terrified me. <laughs> when we had Caleb, oh my goodness, reality check. We, Josh and I had been married for six months when we found out about our beautiful surprise package was on his way. I can say that because there's reasons why it was a surprise. I'm allergic to certain things. And here was this baby coming. We were early on in our marriage and we're like, oh my goodness, get on board. And when I held him for the first time, the weight of the reality that he was solely and completely reliant on me to teach him and feed him and clothe him and wipe that bum every day, six times a day, and all those things that we had to do, oh my goodness, it was such a reality check. And I kind of like, I freaked out. And um, after, at his first birthday party, we actually had this awesome birthday party. We kept Caleb alive. <laughs> it was amazing. Woo! We did. We had a huge party. It was all our friends were there, and they were all supporting us. They knew that we were what we were going through, and they walked with us. It was amazing. Fa friends and family, and everyone was like, yep, you kept him alive. Good job. <laughs> He's 11 now. He's thriving. It's fine. I feel very confident about keeping children alive now. <laughs> oh, dear. The thing is, our families teach us who we are. And I, I love this because this is actually a photo of Susanna, David, and Catherine, siblings, wearing the same ripped jeans, we all walked into my mom's house and went, no, wearing the same pants. So we had to take a photo. That was taken a couple of years ago. It's funny how families begin to look alike, isn't it? I actually have another photo. If you're hanging around this church, families teach us who we are. That's the like who wore it best. Every week, there's somebody who wears the same outfit. It's super weird. So if you're thinking of joining our church, I advise you to invest in some ripped jeans and a plaid shirt. No, no, no. We like diversity. I don't really mean that, but <laughs> uh, it's funny, though, to think about. I mean, think about families often have their own language. In our family, everyone knows that Baba Deuce means juice. And uh, we didn't correct Judah for so long that I think he went to preschool and the teachers didn't know what he was talking about. But we knew, so we didn't worry about it. <laughs> you know, families have their own look. They have their own traditions. They often look alike. And usually, over time, they begin to dress alike. Susanna and I constantly show up to church wearing the same outfit. It's really weird. We don't talk about it. I swear it's not planned. The one day that was really odd, we both bought a denim dress. That was weird. And uh, yeah, so we both showed up and went, oh, same, same. That's weird. <laughs> but seriously, think about it. How many people here have, have looked at their siblings and gone, oh my gosh, we're the same. It happens in church too. And the reason being is because we're spending time together. 
It's a togetherness. It's a reflection of each other. And it's a good thing. It's lovely. But it needs to be said that in church, we need to be careful that we don't become so much alike and so much looking at ourselves that we forget to look outside. Because how will our church grow? And it's all about, in this family, it's all about inclusion. (laughs) Meanwhile, can you imagine how frustrating it is for God, who is constantly trying to get through to us, that he is our heavenly father and that we can live our lives free of so much of the pain and anguish that we bring upon ourselves by not acting like that by not understanding, by forgetting who our Father is. When we become believers, we decide to become born-again Christians. We find ourselves being in a new spiritual family. This church is the continuance of God's plan for saving humanity. His intention was never that we should do life alone. We are not supposed to be Christians alone. Christians together. So relationships are at the heart of family. Woo! And uh, this photo is cute. My dad took it. That's the girls in our family, including our adopted sister, if you're wondering who the the extra feet are. (laughs) That's our adopted Jenny. This is why it's so important for us to ensure our relationships, both at home and in our church family, are strong. Relationships are at the heart of family. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Conflict and offense are tools that the enemy uses to steal our peace and destroy our relationships. Guys, I've done this little graph up here. Megan, you can just skip forward too. Yeah, that one. The The cycle of conflict. Now, let me just put this in. This is an infographic. If you don't know what that is, I like infographics. This is not based on years of science, okay? This is based on years of observation (laughs) from me. But I was praying about this, and I'm like, this is a cycle of conflict that I see many people getting into. It's a visual graph of the, the cycle of pain we can easily fall into when relationships break down. They aren't necessarily in order, But left undefined and ignored, this is how many families find themselves in major trouble. So we have here lies, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness. Anyone felt any of those in their lives with family members or church family? Never. Not in this church. Never. Here's the thing. God has given us tools to build relationships. And that's what I really want to talk about today. Rather than tear them down, for today's message, I have called them the cycle of healing. And I believe it is in practicing these four spiritual principles that we will have the opportunity to learn to live a life of spiritual and relational abundance. Woohoo! So this is my cycle of healing. We've got confession, truth, forgiveness, and love. This, again, is not scientific. This is biblical. I'd rather stand on the Bible than science any day. So the first one I want to read to you is James 5:16. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. And then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through passionate and heartfelt prayer of a godly warrior. Church, I want you to say it with me. Confess and acknowledge 
how you have offended one another. Can you tell me what you get out of that? Do you know what I get out of that? We're all going to offend one another. We're all going to be offended in the family, in the church. We're all going to be offended. At some point or another, you will feel an offense. It's going to happen. If it hasn't happened, that's so awesome for you. (laughs) Can you imagine? I can't even imagine that. (laughs) You know, the easiest thing to do when you're feeling frustrated or upset with someone is to approach them with accusation. (sighs) I bawled about this point. The beauty of a confession is that it relieves the receiver of guilt so that they can receive the critique with less of an immediate negative reaction. This is a skill, and it takes practice. I am preaching to myself. This one's for me. Josh is nodding his head like, preach it, wife. (laughs) Preach to yourself. (laughs) I'll I'll admit it. I'm an accuser, and I'm really good at remembering things when I'm angry. I have a terrible memory any other time. The worst, Megan almost fell off her chair laughing. The worst memory, I don't remember names, I I can't remember dates, I do remember pictures, that's all. But if I am accusing someone, if they have offended me, I can remember every detail, the date, the time, the place, and what they were wearing. (laughs) I'm so sorry, God. Here's an example of, of an accusation that Josh would be quite used to. Say, for example, let's keep it light. So an accusation might be that there's an overflowing garbage bin. I don't know if this would ever happen in your home. An accusation might... (laughs) I see some wives going, yes. (laughs) An angry wife might go in accusation, are you blind? (laughs) You just walked past that overflowing garbage bag again and you didn't even bat an eyelid. Does anyone, anyone? Yeah. It also applies to overflowing laundry baskets and unmade beds. Uh, and toothbrushes not to put away. Uh, any, anything. Make the list. Let's try changing that to a confession. A confession says, Josh. Look at me in the eyes. I'm frustrated because the garbage is piling up and I am too busy To take it out myself, would you relieve me of this concern? (laughs) Is that going to happen? Well, it's going to take practice. I'm frustrated about the garbage. Will you please help me with that frustration? Confession begs us to ask ourselves, why am I offended? Write this down. Why am I offended? And, ha- and do I have a part to play in the conflict? It's ownership. Confession can also, of course, include the confession of our own sins and the part you have played in creating the conflict. Let's not forget that. 
Confession means taking ownership of your actions because this goes against our natural inclination to point fingers. This skill is something we must practice and work at. In doing so, this will build spiritual maturity and character. Spiritual maturity and character. We need it in the church. We will not survive church. <laughs> we won't. And what I've actually found in church is that when people are frustrated about something, they often won't say it because they're being good Christians. But they're annoyed, and you can tell. I can tell, just so you know. And you've probably seen me annoyed, and you probably knew. <laughs> And it brings distance between relationships. The best way is to talk about it. And the best way to talk about it is to pull yourself back and don't start with accusation. What can I do to fix this problem? How can I be a part of the solution? There are always going to be things that need fixing, by the way, in church life and in family life, because life isn't perfect. And that's okay. We've got a mighty God who is our father. He covers us. So we don't need to be afraid of making these confessions. We actually need to do them. So the second thing that I want to talk about is truth in place of lies. And I want to read from John 8, 31 and 32 in the New English translation. It says, Then Jesus said to those Judeans who had believed in him, If you continue to follow my teachings, you are really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The hardest thing about conflict is usually the, is usually the underlying truth the word truth, that no one wants to say. Avoiding conflict to many people means avoiding offense, actually, which in turn means avoiding offending anybody. And sin is offensive. Who was here last week when dad spoke about offense? Yeah, and he listed a whole bunch of sins, and even as he was saying them, it was uncomfortable in the room. You could feel it, and no one wanted to look at each other because you're like, was it me? I didn't do that, you know? It, sin is an offensive thing to talk about. Pointing out sin in someone's life is more than likely going to offend them, by the way. So there's approaches that we can use. I have found that the best way to approach telling the truth is by telling myself this truth before I have the conversation. And this is the truth that we all need to know when we are talking to somebody in truth and we need to speak about a hard truth. We have to tell ourselves, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. We are all sinners and it isn't that easy, much easier to speak when we are speaking as brothers and sisters and comrades in sin. Not encouraging each other to sin, but understanding that there is nothing we can do but God to save ourselves from this world. It's humbling. It takes all the judgment out of it. And all of a sudden, the truth can actually set you free and me free. The 
reason we have so many immature Christians in churches today is because the church has become so PC. We don't pastor our church members in truth. And when we don't do that, then we don't give our church members the chance to develop their spiritual characters. It's so important. Imagine if you never told your child not to fart in public. I'm sorry. This is actually a problem in our house. (laughs) Isn't it? It's truly a discussion that we have on a weekly basis that no, you can go to the bathroom or relieve yourself elsewhere. But imagine if he grew up thinking it was totally fine in the middle of an elevator to do that at any point. It's not okay. It is not okay. (laughs) We have to tell each other hard truths. We don't have a problem telling our children hard truths because they're little and you know they need it. What becomes really hard is when you're looking at another adult and you have to tell the truth. Because it's, you don't want to offend anyone. And it is hard. Church, I'm running out of time, but I want to tell you this one story. Oh, no, I'm not. That, that clock is wrong. Yay, that's awesome. There's this one story I want to share with you. Ages ago, this is a long, long time ago, I've been a youth leader for a long time, and I was uh, meeting with this young girl I was pastoring, and she was going through a lot of trouble. And she, we had counseling sessions, like pastoral, just praying together and reading the Bible and talking about stuff that was holding her back. And I could see that she was tormented in life. It was not a good thing. And she totally spoke to me about all the painful things that had happened. She'd had a really horrible childhood. And I think it was probably the fourth session. Now, when I say session, these sessions would go on for hours because she was just offloading all this pain and horrible things that had happened in her life. In the fourth session, I realized, hang on a sec, you've been going to a lot of counselors and quite a number of pastors. And Nothing seemed to be shifting or changing. And she actually, every time I suggested something or said, maybe we could do this, she already knew the, the correct counseling answer. She'd, she'd been to so many counselors for so long. And in actual fact, it got to the point where I realized, hang on a sec, the trauma that happened, and, and trauma, there's no, there's no uh, quantitative way of saying it, but she had been in... in in a really traumatic situation for a certain amount of years in her life, she'd actually been in counseling for two times that amount of time in her life. Years, years and years and years and years. And this thing wasn't shifting. And at the end of the fourth session, so this is probably like, you know, hours and hours, like like 15 hours of listening to this, I said to her, you know what? I just, I'm not gonna be able to help you. And she went, oh. And it kind of stopped her in her tracks. And um, I've got to read this because I, I was thinking about it. And, and she said, why? Why can't you help me? And I said, you have talked to me and every other counselor I'm pretty sure that you've been to about your childhood issues. But after prayer, I had this feeling. And I said, but I suspect that there is a hidden issue that you're dealing with currently that you aren't speaking about that really needs to get fixed. And I can't help you unless you tell me the truth. And she replied, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And I said, let me put it this way. Would you go to a doctor with a broken arm today and tell him 
about the broken leg you had as a child and expect him to be able to fix it. And she said, no. And I said, okay, great. Then will you tell me what is happening in your life today? And at this point, through many, many tears, and, and we had this moment, and she had this, I could see it, like the, the truth dropped, and I said, look, you've got to know the Bible is very clear about this. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But you cannot go to counselors, you cannot go to pastors, and not tell them what's going on and expect to be made free. It will not work. It just won't. At this point, she broke down, and she told me, She'd been secretly drinking. She'd been an alcoholic since a very young teenager for most of her life, and she was so ashamed of it because she grew up in church. She knew that there was a stigma attached to it, and she did not want anyone to know. She was so devastated to even say the words. She barely even said it. She basically just whispered it, and that was it. And it was just this moment where I went, oh my gosh, okay, we can do this. I haven't got the counseling to help you, but we're going to go and get you addiction counseling. We can take you to the right doctor. And I'm going to walk with you on this journey. And we were able to walk with her into a journey of healing. And it all came from telling the truth. What is beautiful is I've caught up with her in recent years. And to see her become a fully developed, fully functioning member of society who is completely healed from this addiction is just a beautiful thing. Church, it is so important for each one of us to not shy away from the truth, but to reveal it and to do it with the right people in the right time. That's what family is all about. Whew. I can feel it. So church today, I know that God is challenging us to be a family that seeks spiritual freedom and liberty. And the only way to find this is by walking in the truth. Church, if you need to work with someone in the pastoral care team to help you find the right counseling, to get in on track, please, you've got to know that this team, we love you. We're here with you. We're also doing the same thing with each other and for each other. And we want to walk with you into healing because there is an abundance of God's love and power that comes when the truth is actually told. But healing is the starting, the uh, truth is the starting place to healing. You will not find your healing unless you tell us what needs to be fixed because we will just pray for the wrong thing (laughs) and work with the wrong things. But it's the same at home in our relationships I have so many stories about telling the truth. But anyway, I'll keep them for another time. <laughs> ah, there, was the t- there was one. There was the time when I was a little girl, and I might have told my whole kindergarten class that we had a pet hamster. <laughs> I don't fully remember this. I don't remember telling the class this. I, I must have thought it was really cool to have a pet hamster. So I, I bragged about my pet hamster at school, apparently. The only thing I remember about this, other than the retelling of the story, is that when I was found out, it was because we were sitting in the back seat of the car. I was sitting in the back seat of the car, and somebody said, Catherine, oh, John, was it John? Said, how's your hamster? He was my little friend, and my mom was, like, driving us to school. And my mom goes, what hamster? <laughs> and the truth... <laughs> 
hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh. Telling the truth. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't set me free of anything really, but <laughs> I definitely had to apologize <laughs> for telling the lies. <laughs> had it reminded me that the truth is important. <laughs> too funny. My mom always had this scripture, be sure your sins will find you out. It is ingrained in me. And I know that any lie that I ever told, my mom found out. It was angels. And it was John Dick who told on me all the time. (laughs) Okay. So the third thing I want to talk about today is forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 30 to 32 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. Whew. Ouch. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Church, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Isn't this amazing rules for relationship? Isn't this beautiful? Be gentle with one another, sensitive, and forgive one another. Say it, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. If truth is the key to unlocking freedom, forgiveness is the key to unlocking peace. Bitterness and anger are major stress-inducing emotions. If you hold on to these, then the feelings will eventually turn into things like anxiety and depression. We see that all over this generation of people out on the streets who are fighting so much with mental health. Let me tell you, unforgiveness will kill you on the inside, spiritually. It deadens you spiritually. Angerness and bitterness, you cannot carry them around for a long time. That's why this this scripture says, forgive one another quickly and thoroughly. Wow. Forgiveness is a hard topic, but the truth is undeniable. The sooner you can forgive your aggressor, the sooner you'll be able to begin to mend that relationship. When I'm speaking about forgiveness, I'm not asking you to not feel angry, by the way. As Christians, I think we have this this image of, um, what's his name? Heidi Ho Neighbor. Ned Flanders. He never got angry. He never got angry. And I used to get so angry at Homer and he would just be like, bless you, bless you. And that's what the world's image of us is, right? As Christians, that we should never get angry. Did you know that God created all of the emotions? You can't actually be a human and not get angry. You need to get angry. It's an outlet. If you're not getting angry, you might be numb. And that might be something you need to look at. But here's the thing. It is not an, a sin to feel angry, but you anger can fuel sinful things if you don't do something with it. The Bible says, go ahead, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Darn it. Isn't revenge satisfying sometimes? Y'all are like, who is this woman preaching? No. (laughs) Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. 
Church, if something is annoying you right now, if something is angering you today, I really felt for our church, this is a time of healing. We've got to learn how to talk about things in a really loving manner, and then we've also got to learn how to forgive. Do you know what this scripture says to me? I think it's funny that the early church had fights. <laughs> and that there, was, there has always been room for differences of opinion and approach and that God is totally okay with that. Paul had to write this to the church. Be angry. That's okay. But just don't sin. Don't let it go too far. Again, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> when I was writing this, I was like, oh my gosh, Josh is just going to sit there going, yeah, yeah. Let me just say this clearly. We have a passionate relationship. We love each other passionately. And sometimes we have passionate di disagreements. But I will say this. We always make a point of passionately making up. It's a key for your marriage. <laughs> He's like, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> it's about, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Forgiveness is about how we respond to the feeling of anger. And that is what defines us. It's what defines our character. This is about building character. Do not go to bed angry, church. That means don't hold on to it. That means don't, if you have to go to bed tonight angry, then fix it tomorrow. Don't do it as quickly as possible. As quickly as physically possible. If you need to call someone today and say, we need to have a coffee, make a date and talk about it. If you need to go and call your mom or your friend or your sister or that person that you've been holding on or your husband and wife, look them in the eye today and say, we are going to work this out. We're going to work on it. Today, your healing is going to begin, and I know it starts with forgiveness. There is healing here right now. I just feel the Holy Spirit. And it's not my phone timer going off. <laughs> but God has got our church's future at stake. And to move forward as a church and to grow as Christians, we need to allow this work to happen. And we need to practice it. And it's not always going to be easy and it's not going to be perfect. But let me say this. In a, this day and age where people shop around for the perfect church, where people are looking for the perfect time with the perfect childcare team and all their needs met at the coffee stand, let me say this, we are not the perfect church. That is not what we are about, but we will stand with you. We will not run away from you when things go bad, and they will. We will walk with you. We will walk together when tough things happen and we have to tell the truth. We will walk with you in that truth and we will walk together in forgiveness to healing. That is church and that is family. God is here.
And the final thing that brings healing in relationship is that, church, we talk a lot about forgiveness as Christians, but the final thing that we have to do is not just forgive, but to love. You can forgive someone and that gives you peace, but if you do not go back and, and say to that person, I love you and I'm going to build a relationship with you, you can break a relationship, but you can still forgive. You can just let the relationship go. And there are times when you have to do that because that person is an aggressor and they are not going with you into love. Love is about the two people doing it together. The Passion Translation in Matthew 5 says, your ancestors have been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. Isn't that the world's? Love the people who love you, hate the people who hate you. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. This is radical talk. This goes far deeper than forgiveness. Forgiveness says, I forgive you. It's over now. Let's let it go. And you push past all the pain. But love says we have a future together. As Christians, we can talk a lot about the healing nature of forgiveness, but God wants more from us. He doesn't just want us to forgive our enemies. He wants us to love them. Love is our greatest weapons as Christians. Love is our strength it is the gift that we can give away. Love is what holds us together, church. Forgiveness is not enough. God calls us to love the unlovable because each one of us was unlovable too. Dad did a beautiful message, so I don't even need to go deeply into this. Uh, a, a part of our values message was on love. You've got to read it. You've got to listen to it. We're going to be putting all the values ones up on the podcast. But he talked about, he gave the, the Mandarin, you'll remember, and he passed it around and, and each person had to say to the other person, I love you. I love you. It's challenging sometimes to love, <laughs> to love people. Sometimes it's even challenging to like people. God calls us to love our enemies. So it doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter what they have done to you. And I know that I'm speaking to certain people who are wounded. So I don't take this lightly. I don't say love is just an easy thing for everybody because there are people who have got incredibly painful things. But there is a miracle that happens when you become a Christian and that is that God now is your father. And he loved us. He loves us regardless. And we can learn to be like him. It doesn't come straight away for everybody, but we can lean into him as our father. It's a miracle. I'm not expecting everyone to leave this room loving their enemies right now, but I am telling you that it's possible. I am telling you that you need to start hoping for that. 
beautiful. I just want to read this final scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, and it says, Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place for shelter. I love that. And it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. It never gives up. And love never stops loving. Love never stops loving. Church, will you stand up with me right now? We've got this little circle of healing. Confession, truth, forgiveness, love. These are the tools that we talked about today. Confession, truth, forgiveness, and love. It's actually really simple. They're all tools that God has given us as Christians. They bring us together as a family. And they will bring your family together. I think Sam's just gone to go and get the kids. This morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to pray for the families. They're coming on in. Just kids, go, go and sit with your mom and dad. Beautiful. Hey, Sam, can you see what the double digits are doing? If they can come in too, that'll be awesome. I forgot to talk to... Brett and Stacy about this, so surprise. <laughs> Sorry, Stacy. <laughs> That's my bad. I just confessed. Will you forgive me? Thank you. I love you. <laughs> it works. <laughs> oh, thank you, mighty God. Church, we didn't want to miss Family Day weekend. And next weekend is going to be a wild weekend of worship. You do not want to miss what God is doing in this place. It's going to be crazy. Did you know that Jamie and Aaron are coming too? It's going to be wild. But we did not want to miss out on Family Weekend because it is such an important core value of this church. Families relationships. Beautiful. Thank you, mighty God. (laughs) You know, when Susanna was singing It Is Good this morning, I felt like there was a declaration happening over our families and over our relationships here in this church. And I want to say it right now, that declaring that God is good when things are bad is not denial, church. It is an act of faith. When you declare that God is good over your family, over your finances, over your relationships, you're not in denial about how things are right now. You are activating hope. When we were worshiping, I heard God say to me, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Church, today God is calling you to want more for your life, for your family, for your children, for your relationships. He is calling us to hope again. 
I'm going to get all the families with the children and the double digits to all come and stand at the front here. And as a church family, I'm going to get the rest of you to come and stand behind them. Because this is all about the family. This is all in the family. (laughs) This is beautiful. Look at these beautiful children. God is all about family. God is all about family. The littlest ones. Thank you, mighty God. And God has given us an opportunity to be a part of his family. And it is beautiful. Church, will you lift out your hands? You can, if you're behind them, you can lay hands on the families around you. Parents, lay hands on your children. Oh, thank you, Lord. Susanna, do you want to stand with your family? You're good? Okay. <laughs> no. We'll get some forgiveness later. <laughs> this is so beautiful. But you know what? God is in this room. And kids, we're so glad that you're part of our family. Don't worry about the kids. They can scream. And We're so glad that every single one of you is a part of this church family. Church isn't about just the adults. Church is about every single person that comes here on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Quinn's giving me big smiles. And God has a place for you in this family. And right now, God, we just lift up the church right now to you, Father God. And over the moms and dads, Father God, I just pray that you would give them wisdom and strength. And Lord, as we have been speaking today about that cycle of healing, I know that, Father God, you are surrounding our families today with your protection and your truth in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. And God, right now, I declare it is good over our families. You are good, Father God. You have blessing for our families right now in Jesus' mighty name. As Patty goes around and lay hands on everyone right now in Jesus' name, I declare that there is a release of finances over our families. As we were worshiping this morning, I saw it like the fathers were getting new ideas. And Father God, right now, you are blessing the fathers of C3 Church Vancouver. They are rising up. And Father God, I declare that these men would be leaders in their family and in their homes. That there is a strength of the man in this house that will stand up, that will raise their children in the house of God. Oh, Ramakiandaras. And as we were worshiping this morning, I saw the word provision over our families' lives. And Father God, right now, I declare over our families that they would have homes. I declare this as a promise from the Father who knows that the Father's heart is to provide for his family. Thank you, mighty God, that you have homes for each one of these families. And God, we declare it right now in Jesus' mighty name. God, I ask of you for provision over our families. I ask for good jobs. I ask for raising.
Jesus, I ask right now that our fathers would have the ability to provide for their families in a way that brings them freedom in Jesus' mighty name. And Father God, over the moms, oh, Father God, I pray strength. Over our moms right now, I pray encouragement. That these women are going to be warriors in the house of God. That they are raising children in a place that is going to bring them joy. That is going to bring them peace. That is going to bring them healing in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, I pray for the moms right now that you are going to give them such an insight into their families. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father God, over our children right now, moms and dads, lay your hands on their heads. God, over our children right now, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon each one of them. God, that you would walk with them through this year. Father God, that you would be with each one of our children, that you would help them in their schoolwork, that you would help them in their home lives, in their relationships. For the littlest ones, Father God, that you would protect them in Jesus' mighty name. Give them good health, Father God. (laughs) Surround our families right now. And God, I just pray that your love would cover every single one of us in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, Amen. Beautiful. Thanks for listening. For more information, join us online at c3b.ca.